This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 233. And this week, I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello, Liam. Hi, Hi John. How are you doing? Uh, I've been better, as we just talked about off the air. <laughs> uh, because sports, everybody. Let, listen, let me tell the people at home. Yep. Okay. If you are not a sports fan, don't ever get started with sports, okay? <laughs> Try something less damaging to your mental and physical health, like heavy, heavy drugs, for instance. Okay. Yep. Uh, maybe get get a gambling addiction, which I have that too. <laughs> so I'm really in bad. Uh, maybe get maybe get some get into alcoholism. I don't know. What about uh, anime? Anime, uh, well, anime is fine. I don't, okay, I mean, that's, okay. That's the only thing that brings joy to my life, honestly. <laughs> is, at this point, is watching watching anime. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of watching Utena, and it's okay. it's uh, it is great. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen Utena, but no, I haven't. No, no. it's a, it's really... a fan... go ahead. I, I was just saying it's a fantastic show, and it's completely. It's like it's sort of like if Evangelion was a year like a oh, I said Yuri if Evangelion. Uh, God was a shoujo, not a Yuri. Mm-hmm. It is sort of Yuri, but uh, also, you know, if Evangelion was a shoujo, that'd be Utena, basically. Yeah. I've only just started watching High School Girl on your recommendation from last year, and I am getting quite into it. So I what, feel like I'm about watching to go... what? I'm sorry? Uh, High School Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like um this this dark world of anime is about to consume me whole, and I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, sports fucking bullshit. So let me let me just explain to people why I'm so upset today. So the Toronto Blue Jays, okay, they are this amazing team that has one big flaw, which is their bullpen fucking sucks and really really sucked in like the spring and got a little better, but their bullpen's been bad. But they have this amazing like once in a lifetime lineup that they're never going to be able to keep together. They're going to lose. For sure, they're going to lose mm-hmm. the Marcus Simeon uh, in the offseason, I think. And they, you know, they, they have a plus 183 run differential, which, like, that is an insane number that they should e- they should be the fucking division winners for that kind of number. And instead, they lose a bunch of games down the stretch that they had to win. They, I mean, last week when they, they had a four-game trip to Minnesota, 
mm. and lost two to the Twins, and the Twins are the Twins are dog shit. So that was when I was like, okay, this isn't going well. And then they had to win two out of three against the Yankees at least uh, at home earlier this week, and they lost two out of three. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so this isn't going well. But then this final three game set starts. Okay, they're right. one, and today today is the last day of the MLB season. They're one game behind the Yankees and the Red Sox for the wild card. So they needed to beat Baltimore or they needed the Yankees to lose to Tampa or Boston to lose to Washington. Not and. They needed one of those two right. teams to lose, okay? Yeah, yep. When the day started, I was like, you know, I don't think it's going to happen because it's like the Rays were starting some awful pitcher who had like a seven ERA because the Rays, the, the team the Yankees were playing, the Rays did not need to win at all. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they're not, you know, they already beat the Yankees twice. That was already a break but I can't see them beating the Yankees again today. And then, and Boston's playing Washington who traded their entire fucking team away. Uh, so, you know, at the trade deadline, because they're, they're just, they're just nothing now. They're a fucking minor league team with one, with one superstar who everybody walks. Cause it's the only guy you have to worry about now. Right. And so I was like, okay, Boston will be able to do it. So at the start of today, I was, you know, I was not hopeful. I was accepting that the Blue Jays were going to get eliminated. So I put these three games on. I'm watching three games at once. The Blue Jays completely destroy the Orioles. That's not unexpected. I was like, okay, that's they had yeah. to win that game to even have a chance. It's great. They were up like 12 to 2 and like before the fifth inning or something. So I barely pay attention to that one. And then the Nationals get out to a 5 to 1 lead against yeah. the Boston Red Sox. And that pitcher for the Rays, who fucking sucks, somehow. Gives up zero runs to the Yankees. The Yankees only had one hit through, I think, like eight innings. But the problem oh was Tampa, Tampa couldn't score either. So it was 0-0 going in the ninth inning. And then <laughs> right. the Red Sox come back and tie and, uh, and, and win that game against Washington, 7-5. to mm-hmm. And at the same time, the Yankees uh, beat the Rays in the bottom of the ninth, one nothing. So I had zero hope at the start of the day. My hope went all the way to the top in the middle of the okay. day. It's like, oh, they might actually pull this off. And then it, it, was just, it was just to pull the fucking rug out from under me. So the baseball gods just fucking fucked with me today. Where it's like, <laughs> I wish they just had, like, I wish they just let the Baltimore Orioles score 10 runs on the Blue Jays or something. So right. I didn't even have to worry about nothing. Blue Jays lost, whatever, it's over. Instead, they let me think all the way until the end that the Blue Jays had a chance. We were yep. going to a tiebreaker tomorrow. And then it's like, oh, yeah, actually... Uh, the Nationals are going to remember the Nationals and shit the bed, and the Yankees are going to win a fucking walk-off in the bottom of the ninth. It's okay. Fuck you. Fuck sports. <laughs> Fuck baseball. I don't know why. Like, again, cocaine would be better for you than right, right, right. getting into fucking baseball. I'm, I'm so, and now I'm getting ready to be an absolute clown with the hockey season started. The other mm-hmm, the other, mm-hmm. uh, the other, other sport that I watch, you know, yep. pretty closely. So hockey season starts next week. I'm sure the Rangers and Kings, my two teams, will both be fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm getting myself set up for more sadness, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hate sports. I don't know why the fuck I watch them. One of the so, worst life decisions. So I have a question and observation. So I've never okay. watched a game of baseball in my life because we don't have, we don't have, you know, we, we watch cricket down here. We don't watch baseball. Yeah. It's, you know, basically the same in terms of like, um, you know, lots of, um, well, actually I have two questions. So the first question I had is like, what is a run differential? Uh, so that means basically like the the they scored more runs than they gave up. Okay, so it's like okay, so it's like you've scored like, twelve yeah. runs over the course over the course yeah, yeah. like over the course of the season they scored one hundred and sixty eight more runs than okay. they gave up. 
Gotcha. I believe that was the number. I'm, make, I'm getting that off the top of my head. It's some yeah. absurd number where, like, they should not even, like, they should have had a wild card spot easily at minimum. It should mm-hmm. never have been, like, a fucking tie, like, this tiebreaker bullshit that they couldn't get. The, I mean, they missed the playoffs by one game. Right. So, okay. like, literally as close as you can come without making it. Got but, it. So, so you were watching, like, all of these games at the same time? Yeah, I had, so I had Yankees, Tampa on my TV. Right. I had Red Sox Nationals on my laptop, and then I had Blue Jays Orioles on, on my girlfriend's iPad, because that was the one that was least important. To, that was the one that was honestly, even though the Jays are my team, that was the least important one to me, because it's like, yep. I mean, if they can't Hold beat the Orioles today, they mm-hmm. don't deserve to be in any way. And then they, and they took yep. out like a fucking, I mean, they, they basically went out to like a 9-1 lead in like the second inning or something. Right, so right. That was never really in doubt. But, so, you, so you're not like sitting there watching every game intently, every single inning, every single like. You know, no, strike. I mean I'm not you're really like, looking at. I barely looked at the iPad. It was really the TV and the laptop. I was going back and forth between. Mm-hmm. But, okay. uh, but yeah, and I'm just like muting one. I'm muting the other. I'm just going back and forth. But yeah, it's just any. All we needed was if, if Tampa beat the Yankees, it would have been a, a Yankees Blue Jays tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. If Nationals had beaten the Red Sox, it would have been a Jays Red Sox tiebreaker. If both had lost, it would have been a wacky. Uh, three-way tiebreaker which right. has never happened before yep but uh none of that happened because okay. they just made it look like all that was going to happen to give me yeah. personally the maximum amount of pain so 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 you go in with no hope you, yeah. you watch a few games through the season your hope goes up and up and up and you feel like okay the blue jays are gonna you know get to no, no, no i go in today with no hope you go in today you go in today, and, sorry i'm compressing it okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i go gotcha. in today with no hope yeah. like through six innings or something they give me hope right and then it was just to fucking to fuck with me to, to pull the rug out at the end. This is all one day. All these emotions. And you're expecting to have the same for hockey? Uh, so, no, well, hockey season, I'm sure, will be awful. Yeah. Well, just, okay. I mean, the Rangers were projected to be like third in the in the Metro in the the athletics yep. projections that came out today, which I'm sure is way too high. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're going to be like seventh or something. So, so like, I feel like I can see an analog here between this baseball season, this hockey season, and then, like, every Naito G1 season. <laughs> Where you go in with no hope, you watch like five or six matches, and he's go- he's going five one, and you're like, yes, he's gonna win. This is final of the year, and then he gets knocked out in the last round again. As yeah, well. I mean, I guess so, I like painful because it's like I, pain. yeah, I always I never really go for the super front runners. I don't know, mm-hmm. like I'm never. It, it kind of makes sense for rest. Like okay, my I should by all rights be a Yankee fan. I grew up yep mostly you know in the in the metro area. I mean, I grew up a lot in New Jersey. And New Jersey, New Jersey doesn't have a baseball team. It's like really hardcore Yankee territory, uh, mm-hmm. unless you get to South Jersey when they love the, the Philadelphia Phillies. Yep. Um, so, but my dad was a Yankee fan. All my like all my family's a Yankee fan. My girlfriend's a Yankee fan. I just you know I'm a contrarian, so I was like, well, I'm gonna pick. I like the color blue, mm-hmm. and you know I like uh, I like the Blue Jays. So there. I mean, the only team, the only local sports team that I picked. Uh, as like my one of my teams, and even though they're my second favorite hockey team, but still, as one of my teams is the New York Rangers, who are the who are the ones who went fifty four years between championships, yeah, for, like set the record, which is going to be broken soon anyway, mm-hmm. but like set the record for longest Stanley Cup drought from nineteen forty to nineteen ninety four, and have not won it again since. So again, I like I guess I like pain. I can't really you like say. Pain. Okay. Yeah, I can't really say much else. But yeah, the uh the, the, Blue, Jays, <laughs> the Blue Jays fuck with me. Uh but they, they were just such a fun team too. Like it really was a fun season. Like, they had yep. like all these home run hitters. Like I don't know, like they were just a bunch of happy people. I can't really describe it 
you know, just mm-hmm. like to someone, especially someone who doesn't know baseball at all, but just like a really, they had this home run jacket. This, I love this right. jacket. Like they had this jacket that all of them would put on and it had every country they were all from, you know, like the Dominican Republic and obviously mm. the USA and Canada and all these other countries like listed on the back in their East yeah. native language. It was like really cute. And like okay. they, they were just a very likable team. Like yeah. they would put this jacket on every time someone hit a home run. But I don't know. It was really just a very likable team, and it really fucking sucks that they got eliminated today. But. It's like there's a club. It's like it's like it's like a club that brings everyone in and like like really builds a sense of community around everyone who plays and everyone who like you know yeah. watches their games. And they're just and, you know. they're a really likable team. But okay, they're gonna lose like they're gonna lose one of their best hitters and two and, and their two best pitchers in the offseason probably. So just because of trades and finances, and uh, money well, because they're. Yeah, because they're expiring. They're, I mean, they're they're free agents, so yeah, yeah they, gotcha. can sign, they can sign wherever they want. And they're, they're mm-hmm. pro- yeah, probably you know, Jays will get outbid by the Yankees or whatever the fuck. So. Yeah, yeah, because money always wins any sorts of you know sports yeah. league, and you know yeah. Chelsea always wins every fucking Premier League. And <laughs> I, no, they don't. City well, wins every sh- they, Premier League. Well, man, well, Chelsea should win every Premier League with like how much money they throw around at players. But... No, 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 City spends more money. Well, uh, do they spend more money? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll pay that. Chelsea is my one, I guess, front runner team. Yeah, but but like when I, I again to, it, to be fair <laughs> to me, when yeah. I was getting into Premier League soccer, yeah, the every single person I knew was a Manchester United fan. Like this was That's the fair. peak. This was the peak of United dominating soccer. And they were the only team anyone I knew yeah. was a fan of. So I was like, okay, again, I like the color blue. Uh, I wanted to have a team that has a chance to win, but yep. it's not the absolute front runner. So I'm going to go with Chelsea, and yep. then Chelsea after that, you know, kind of turned into even more of a superpower. But we're still not the superpower. I mean, we have no. you have City, you got City, so, you got Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, Arsenal. No, I mean Arsenal. Fucking well, sucks, huh? well, <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> all my Premier League knowledge is from like 2003 to 2006. When Arsenal, were, <laughs> you know, when you know when Arsenal were a power and everyone was in demand. You so there was a oh god, there was a meme. Do you remember when the Super League was going to happen briefly yeah. for like the, yeah. for like a week or whatever? So there was like a Simpsons meme comparing the 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 start of the Super League to the start of the. Uh, you know, to the start of uh, the the stone cutters, I guess, when Homer Simpson getting <laughs> yep, yep. put in the stone cutters, and yep. like Arsenal is Homer Simpson. They're telling Arsenal, like, you know, uh, you have to say, "May we end up with nothing but one star player?" And da 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 da, <laughs> and and then everybody else, the other teams, like Arsenal, just have to take a different pledge, and it's like, everybody <laughs> takes the same pledge because yes, they just have they have nothing. I mean, they're yeah, you know, they're very much a uh, not not a good team. But I hate Arsenal because Chelsea Arsenal has a big rivalry. But like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. I, we were. It's funny. I was just talking about this with uh, with my friends who again are mostly Manchester United fans. Uh, last night when we were, yeah, we were when we were out. Like, uh, it was one of their. It was his birthday, so we we're like out celebrating his birthday, and you know, we were talking about Arsenal fans on our timelines because, like, and again, I'm I'm sure there might be an Arsenal fan listening that that mm-hmm. I'm offending, but Arsenal fans are so fucking annoying about it and it's like <laughs> they never shut the fuck up about how hard they have it and yep. i'm just like i get it but if you signed up for this in like the last five years which i think most of them did honestly then you should have known what the fuck you were signing up for you were mm. not j- jumping on a juggernaut here you're you fucking signed up to cheer for arsenal i don't know what to tell yeah. you it's like i can complain so much about the blue jays but like at the end of the day, I know the score at the Blue Jays. I know that we're lucky 
to even be at this point in baseball, the way baseball works. And it's like, you know, you're the Blue Jays of of soccer. You don't get to like they complain wow. endless. You they complain endlessly about yeah. how about the like all oh, the the money other teams spend, how they never mm-hmm. spend any money on this and that. I'm like, you should mm-hmm. know what you signed up for. You're Arsenal. Like, come on. Yeah, it just feels absurd after a while. It's like, like yes, you're like I get it. You're sad sack. I'm I I don't feel like you. I can only feel yep. so bad for you. Yeah. But anyway. We won the cha- like, Chelsea won the Champions League last year. I shouldn't, I you know, that was my one good sports thing I guess for the, <laughs> for, the, for, the for the fucking decade. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like my dad. He's been a lifelong Arsenal fan for like forty plus years, and so like I've seen <laughs> I've seen I've seen him go up from like okay, you know, like back when I was young, and like Arsenal weren't doing shit like through the two thousands, and like you know his morale would get higher and higher, and he'd spend yeah you because know, the games, the Premier League games, are on here at like three or four in the morning. So he'd be getting yeah. up at like the middle of the night to go and watch those games. And like, you'd go to, you know, Old Trafford and, you know, all the, the field, you, you, you know, he did like a month in the UK and went to all the games and went to all the bunch of games. And then over the past five, or six years, I've seen him like slowly descend into absolute abject despair. <laughs> as, as like Arsenal just keeps making, you know, Arsenal Wenger, you know, makes more and more horrible decisions. They keep losing key players and they keep losing key games. He retired now, I think. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. got, you know, retired question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Based on some of the results. So it's been a, you know, as someone who, like, I support Leicester, but like very, very casually. So, um, oh, yeah, they're the, the hipster pick. So they're sense. the hipster pick. Yeah. 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 Guilty as charged. So, yeah. But seeing yeah, them being able know. to, yeah. Seeing, oh, the, we... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, seeing Arsenal descend into, you know, irrelevance has been a, um, a point of joy for me over the past few years. <laughs> I mean, it is fun. It, it, yeah. Arsenal, maybe I, I may be calling them the Blue Jays of, I mean, the, okay. I Like what you're describing sounds like my dad with the Yankees where he complains mm-hmm. endlessly about the Yankees. I just want to be like, like cause today he said something like, oh, I don't know why I'm a Yankee fan. Ah, oh, mm. this fucking team. I'm just like, dad, you have seen the fucking Yankees win like 15 championships. Yeah. I don't ever want to hear you complain. Okay. <laughs> The Blue Jays won two titles when I was like six years old. I mm-hmm. don't even remember it, and I wasn't even a fan yet. So I don't want to yeah. hear you talk about how oh, how hard you have it as a Yankee fan. They act like – I mean, that's what, it, what your dad sounds like. But really, I mean, the Yankees of, uh, of Premier League are obviously united. Yeah, It's yeah. the same thing where they're now, they're now, you know, just not any good anymore. But like – I don't know, like he, like he, it's, but what you describe your dad sounds like my dad. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear you complaining. Like you yeah. guys won everything. Like, I don't like, oh, you haven't, you haven't won since 2009. Oh, there are 12 year olds who never saw the New York <laughs> Yankees win a championship. Ha, I, my fucking heart breaks for you. And it's just, it, it's just such stupid bullshit. But like, give me, if you, you guys need to, like for my dad, it's over. Like he, he Mm. can never, like every time he complains, I'm always going to make fun of him because he saw too many championships. If you're a Yankees fan who got in like 2005 or something, you've got like 50 more years before I can ever even come close (laughs) to feeling bad for you. If you go 50 more years without a championship, maybe I can feel a little bad, but you still saw them win in 2009. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't Mm want to hear nothing. It's the same thing like with the you know the LA Kings are my favorite hockey team. We yeah. won two championships in 2012 and 2014, so I will never complain about the Kings again. I mean that's, yeah. that's it. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with Naito. Did bring it back to? I was wrestling. just gonna bring. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I was literally I saw, waiting for the moment to. I saw Naito win the double dome 
So yeah. I'm never going to complain about his book. It's just, it's over. They won the yeah. big one. Yeah. You can't when once you win the big one, even to me, even once, like yeah. you lose your rights to complain for at least twenty years. Like that's it. <laughs> okay, I can complain so, about the Blue Jays until I see them win it. I cannot complain about the Kings. I sure as fuck can't complain about Chelsea. I've seen them win two <laughs> Champions Leagues uh, with uh, you know mid-season manager replacements, which is like I don't know how the fuck that happened. Uh, you know, I can complain about the Rangers, I guess, but you know, no one wants to hear someone complain about their second favorite team anyway. No, but exactly. like, but the Blue Jays, I can you know I can complain about them, but I cannot complain, and I can't complain about Naito. That's it. Like it's over. So, so you can't complain about Naito, but I can still complain about Jay White. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, for sure. I- Okay, well, you're gonna okay. really complain when he goes to WWE in January. Oh fucking! So. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started. S- seeing Big Jamie go to the Fash would really fucking upset me. Yeah, or I even mean, even to a, even even to AEW. I you know because I don't uh, watch American wrestling, so like he could do the best shit in the world in AEW, but because I, I don't watch it, like, sorry. Yeah, AEW's been fun, but I mean, sure. I keep waiting for this run to be over because like, yeah. It feels like it, it kind of feels like the thing that I don't know. Like every time I get, I do get into AEW, and I, I do think they've been really good lately. I they end up doing something where like mm. the shoe drops and it's not fun for me anymore. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to be, but like like last time, you know, leading up to you know in the early part of this year, it was the Revolution paper, which I thought was absolutely mm-hmm. fucking dog shit, and it just completely soured me on the company, and I stopped watching for months after that. And you know, so far this this is the this is the longest I have ever continuously enjoyed AEW. If you go back to like when seven they first, months. no, I don't even think it's that long. I think it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I think it's like uh, four months. Okay. I think they moved. They moved. It's when when they first moved back to Wednesday night when they w- had to go to uh, Saturdays and they had those terrible shows uh, during hmm. the NBA preemption. I think that was July. It might have been June. I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So like Somewhere four right or now. five. Four or five months, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I ha- you know, I went to Grand Slam and enjoyed it. Uh, I got tickets to the show in December, but like, you know, it's it. They're always a company I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with, and they still, mm-hmm. even when I really enjoy them, they still book like the most dog shit finishes in wrestling. Like yeah. they right up there with WWE for like the worst fucking finishes, and that's always their Achilles heel for me. Where I'm just like, I don't like you guys. Just book like sometimes you guys book like absolute dog shit, but. Mm. But anyway, but I mean, the, the actual shows are, you know, enjoyable and they have enough good wrestlers now and all that. But, uh, you know, I, it's not American wrestling will never be my favorite format of wrestling either, obviously. So, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's just, like it's, it's always it's always going to have a disadvantage. Yeah. It's on during the middle of the day for me. So I can't really watch it while I'm working. And, you know, with all the you know Japanese wrestling is happening in, you know, an hour or two hours away from my local time. It's just like, OK, if I have X amount of hours in a week to watch really good AEW or watch kind of bad all japan shows i guess i'm gonna watch the kind of bad all japan shows <laughs> yeah i mean all japan yeah. has been good lately yeah i, I mean know. good yeah i'm waiting but like that i have the same thing you're you know you're describing with AEW with all japan i'm waiting for like <laughs> something to happen where the suffering begins again and somehow we get another year-long suwama reign and <laughs> I, yeah. I suffer yeah. i guess we finally transitioned to wrestling so that's good so uh, yeah. before i get to the first of these two shows we're going to talk about uh, I just need to let everybody know, of course, that the Wrestling say Patreon is only $5 a month. Uh, and right now, it is obviously the best value you can get uh, in the Wrestling Patreon world because I am doing daily audio of the Grade 1 Climax. 
uh, and the N1 victory that just concluded. So basically there's like a show going up every fucking day, pretty much. So, uh, you know, obviously you get a lot for your five bucks. I do in-depth reviews of every single match, uh, you know, even the special singles matches on the A block side, the Naito replacement ones. And, you know, we get into a lot of different, you know, uh, you know, like what makes the match good, what makes the match bad, what makes booking bad. I really tore the fuck into night eight, you know, the yesterday's mm. show. Uh, that was like simultaneously my least favorite episode recorded in a long time. But also when I listened back to it, I did like it. So I don't always listen back to my stuff, but I wanted to like hear what that sounded like because it was such a miserable show to talk about. But I thought I did a good job ripping into it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I will uh, plug that one specifically, the Night 8 review. But yeah, every single night that's not covered on a free episode of the show obviously is covered on the Patreon, either on a standalone tournament audio or, of course, we only do every other week for free. The other week is a Patreon-exclusive full episode, so it would have been covered on one of those, perhaps. Uh, we also covered the All Japan Core again on last week's episode, too. So not just G1 and M1, we got that covered too. Uh, and you can listen to everything, every single other thing we ever recorded. If you've never signed up for before, uh, that includes the Tokyo Domain events. I went through the entire 1990s for that. Um, and we'll resume that closer to the end of the year, of course. But, uh, you know, we're through every single 1990s Tokyo Dome. Uh, the Naito Tanahashi matches, Okada Tanahashi matches, Naito Ichii matches, all of those are covered in chronological order. Uh, you know, tons of other stuff on there, full length episodes. Again, every other week when there's no free episode, there's a full length episode exclusive to the Patreon. So just tons and tons and tons of audio on there. Uh, and again, all of it is only $5 per month. And it's the start of a month right now. It's October 3rd as I'm recording this. So obviously you get your full value for the month. Uh, plus, you know, you, like I said, you can always go back and listen to anything from the past as well. So it's a patreon.com slash wrestling uh, I hope you'll consider signing up and checking out the great audio that we have on there for you. All right. It's it's great. I can confirm it. Oh, yeah. You are a subscriber. Yeah. So there it, you go. Yeah. Liam, Liam likes it. Liam gives it the thumbs up. Which might not be. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how much weight you put in that. Yeah. Uh, well, Liam, what, what you're what? Leicester yeah. fan, right? That's that's your soccer team. So I yeah. guess that's... Uh, it's it's good for hipsters. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's the hipster pick of Patreon. I mean, look, I am not going to sit here and say we are the most successful Patreon out there, but Jesus Christ, the Voice Wrestling Slack was listing off some of the other Patreons mm. out there, mm. and I never feel more successful with mine uh, than when they start listing off some of the other ones. I'm like, hmm, somehow uh, hovering between 50 and like 65, depending on the week. Uh, depending on the month, doesn't seem so bad when these people are yeah. doing like eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like uh, like some big names too. Yeah, yeah. like six so, patrons. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. There was, really... there, there was one name I know who used to run a company that was fairly successful in the <laughs> early 2010s, and I think they have like what twelve Patreon patrons. Something like that. Krakenbus. Oh, I couldn't confirm with an eye that. Okay, I think he has, <laughs> does he have like that many? I thought it was like I six think it's or something. I f- it's something ridiculously small for like, yeah. his role in the wrestling ecosystem. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of other ones. Like there's like other there's a whole sites that have like three. Mm. Actually, I'm not gonna name names and like no, and no. like uh, make fun of anybody directly. But yeah, I don't know. I never, you know. I mean, uh, you know, my Patreon is a, it's a nice little side hobby, and it, it you know it has a 
lot more than a lot of other people. I have to say that. So, and the best part know. about it is you don't have to subject yourself to Raw or SmackDown reviews. <laughs> that that is very true. Yeah, I do not have to watch. I mean, watching Night Eight of the G One was pretty bad, but I can't yep. imagine it's even one one hundredth of watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. So, there you go. All right, so let us get into the first G One show we're going to talk about here. Well, the first show we're going to talk about, which is the G One show, uh, Night Nine of the G1 from today, Sunday, October 3rd, at the Aichi Perfectional Gymnasium in Nagoya. Uh, one thing that's hurt the shows lately is these crowds have been utter dog shit. Yeah. like, for the people who, again, I, I went on this rant during my Night 8 Patreon audio, but I might as well do it on the free feed, too, where more people will hear it. If you are one of these people who logs onto Twitter and says, clap crowds don't matter, I can't even hear a difference in clap crowds, how can anybody claim they can tell who's over based on clap crowds? All these other trash takes I've seen the past year and a half. All I want you to do is watch the first two nights of the G1, either mm-hmm. one, night one or two in Osaka, and then watch either night eight or night nine, preferably night eight, because this crowd was yeah. not good either, but they did get a little into some stuff. Night mm-hmm. eight uh, from Hamamatsu, which was a dog shit crowd even before COVID. Hamamatsu yeah. did not need COVID-19 protocols to be a horrible <laughs> crowd. They were they had lots of practice already. Yeah. Uh, so if I want you to watch night one or two and then watch night eight or nine back to back and then fucking tell me that clap crowds can't make a difference or mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a good clap crowd or all sort of bullshit. Because, man, these fucking people go long stretches uh, where their hands don't work, apparently. And it sure as hell makes a fucking difference. So it's also like, um, so you know that thing where some people watch shows on mute or on very low volume. And I think yeah. that's like kind of, you know, not to be rude about it, but I think it's like kind of psychopathic. Cause I'm like, um, like all of the, you know, crowd noise and crowd reaction is so key to this form of entertainment. You know, having an, an audience that's engaged and showing their engagement is what wrestling is all about. And so you can actually, you know, it actually really impacts on my enjoyment of wrestling shows compared to like that night one, night two, where they had, or even like the N1 final we're going to talk about later. Um, you know, having a really engaged clap crowd that's making noise and, you know, engaged in what's happening actually really impacts for me on my enjoyment of like, you know, what's happening and like being able to really focus in on what's happening inside the ring. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. To, I will say I agree to an extent. When I watch a match like the last two matches we got here on night nine, uh, like it really struck me watching Zach and Ishii where like the crowd was pretty fucking silent for most of that match. But like if a match is yep. that good, I can still enjoy it. Now, mm. obviously a, a hot crowd of any kind, even a hot clap crowd would have elevated even further probably. Mm-hmm. But like if, a, if the ring work is as good as like a Zach and Ishii were doing in that match, I, you know, it's still enjoyable for me. Like that kind of match exa- mm. is, you know, it really sums up why, for all the other issues with New Japan right now, for not even just the clap crowds, but the horrible booking at times and, you know, some of the other bullshit that I will continue to watch it because at the end of the day, they still give me, you know, high quality ring work with about, I don't want to say more consistency than anybody else, but like certainly as much consistency as anybody for sure. Yep. Um, so when at the end of the day, that that is a big thing. But yeah, for, for sure that having a engaged clap crowd makes a huge difference compared to a non-engaged clap crowd. I think that's very yeah. clear uh, as we hit these kind of mid-G1 doldrums here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this show opened up with Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeating Kosei Fujita in 734, the Boston Crab. Uh, this was, of course, your scheduled non-tournament match. 
Uh, very normal young line stuff here. I thought a little more exciting though than yesterday's uh, Kenny Morrow Oriwa match, which uh, mm. was a lot of, of Kenny Morrow working over his leg just wasn't very exciting at all. I went two and th- I went two and a half on that one. On this one, I thought it was a little better, so I went two and three quarters. Yeah, I think it was like very basic stuff. That like these young lines are still so new and so fresh out of the dojo that there's not really much you can do with them at this point. But you need to get them the reps. So. Um, the, like the one thing I've noticed about both of these new lines is like they wrestle like heels and they look like heels. So like in, like I don't know if that's like a change in the training or a change in like how they're being perceived or like you know anything like that. But it just they feel like it's Uemura and Suji always felt like babyface leaning young lines, and these feel like heel le- leaning young lines. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, aside from that, yeah, just like really basic you know stuff. Boston Crab finish, no big spots. Uh, match yep. number two, the special singles <sighs> match to replace uh, the planned Naito and Yano match from this night. Uh, the Toriano defeats Bushi in seven fourteen with a schoolboy. Uh, first of all, so you, you, Toriano has been bringing out this bag a lot lately, and mm-hmm. he used to, like cover Bushi's head. Bushi yep. brought out a Louis Vuitton bag yep. to try to counter Yano's yep. bag. That was very funny. I laughed. That was pretty good. Like if, you, yep. if you don't get the joke, Bushi loves fashion. That's pretty much the whole joke. And he brought that up. Like when he brought that out, it was like, well, that makes way too much sense. Yep. Uh, the They both get blinded, but then the referee just pulls the bags off both their heads. <laughs> and it's just like, they, is that easy? Why, why can't they pull the bags off their own heads? Yeah, they're um, not like tying the bags around or anything. It's just like the bags are hanging loosely on their heads, and neither of them are smart enough or have the thought to actually just pull the bags off. Yeah, Idiots. very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, we get the usual nonsense you expect here. Bushi ties Yano to the barricade using a towel. Yano yep. escapes, makes it back to the ring. Uh, Yano, in turn, ties Bushi's mask to the barricade, but he stole a page from Great Okan's book and he pulled scissors out and cuts his way free. Yeah. Now, some people hate the, that spot. I think, it, like, they're like, oh, it doesn't make any sense that he would have scissors. I'm like, what does it make sense about that? If you were going to wrestle Toriano, a wrestler who mm-hmm. loves to tie things, uh, why the fuck wouldn't you bring scissors? Yeah. Like, I think that's perf- That's perfectly, uh, you know, logical. It's like, well, he thought ahead. I don't know. It doesn't really, doesn't, that's, that spot does not bother me at all, honestly. It's also uh, like... like um. It also responds to that criticism of, like, people don't watch each other's matches. It's like, yeah. that shows you people watch the matches. Like, you know... Yeah. Other round matches and learn from them. Um, then uh, the ref gets blinded with one of these sacks, so he misses. Mm-hmm. He misses Bushi rolling up Yano for the win. So Yano then low blows Bushi while he's taking the sack off the ref's head, and schoolboys Bushi for the win. Um, this was like amusing enough. I don't know. It was it was definitely yeah. short, which yeah. I appreciated. Uh, I gave it the perfectly average two and a half. I definitely didn't hate it, so you know, it wasn't wasn't painful like that Yano Kenta match. So, oh, I disagree with that. I think that, that Yano Kenta match was pretty funny, but maybe I, that's just me. That one, yeah, that one really pissed me off for some reason. I, like, I, I feel like half the, half the shit with Yano is like, what kind of mood are you in? And yep. at this yeah, point, at this point in my day, the Blue Jays have not yet tore my heart out, so <laughs> I was still in a good mood. So there you mm. go. And uh, like. Bushi kind of sucks, so putting Bushi in with huge, huge and Yano makes sense in terms of like having a matchup, you know, a yeah. makeup match. I, don't, so. I always think Bushi sucks is too strong. I think he's fine. I think he kind of sucks. I don't think he sucks. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Hate, I always think feel like people are way too hard on him. Like I don't think he's awful yeah. or anything. Just think he's like a 
perfectly average wrestler. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe slightly below average, but yeah. he's like, what? Okay. With Bushi, like, first of all, he's never pushed very hard. And second of all, like, if you're going to be like an average wrestler or whatever, like if you could post like pictures in black and white, your hands making this weird vagina esque like uh, <laughs> hand yep. sign doing everything. Like he has a certain charm to him yeah. that a lot of other bad wrestlers don't have. So I, yeah. I enjoy Bushi. He's inoffensive. I could take some Bushi sometimes. Inoffensive is a great name, great word. Yeah, yeah great word for it. Uh, match number three, the mm-hmm. our first tournament match of the night. Uh, Kenta defeats the Great Okan in 1939 with a schoolboy. So Kenta goes up to four and two, and Okan drops down to four and two. Uh, yep. I thought Kenta was like very, he Kenta was like very amused by Okan. Or yeah. like he was like trying hard not to laugh during Okan's yep. uh, entrance, and mm-hmm. then he like briefly mocked some of the entrance mannerisms like before the match. Like it was very brief, so you may have missed it. But like he no, was, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I meant the, the audience. Oh, anybody, anybody may have missed it. Yeah. I, I knew you saw it, Liam, because you had the eyes of a hawk. But people at home. <laughs> People at home, it was like very, very brief. But yeah, he was like kind of like doing a little shakes. And I, I was, I thought that was funny. Uh, so before the match, Kenta tells Okan he has to do like a very, very humiliating bow to him before if he loses. And Okan just kind of laughs this off. Uh, yeah. There was some fun mat work here. Okan, especially, he, he looked like vicious on the mat, which is kind of hard to do at times. Like he looks like he's actually hurting his opponent instead of just you yeah. know putting him in random holds uh he won't break his holds and kept us in the rope and he does uh, just does a great job looking like he's gonna break somebody's arm or leg or something mm-hmm. uh and i really liked his like takedowns here he's a very smooth mat transitions um he got a head and arm choke at one point yep. but kenta kept like pulling on his braid to try to escape uh but then he finally did make the ropes and then but okan just kind of like beats on him before he actually lets go. Uh, there's this really vicious exchange of slaps soon after the 15-minute call. <laughs> yep. They just slap the piss out of each other. Uh, mm. And then Kenta finally puts him down to win that exchange. He goes for go to sleep. Okan escapes using his claw. He goes for the eliminator. Kenta hits a counter knee in midair. That looked cool. And yep. goes for go to sleep again. But Okan escapes again, gets the claw back on. And tries to lift Kenta back up for Eliminator, but Kenta then bumps Okan to the ref on purpose. That yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenta hits Okan with some hard chair shots while the ref is down. He puts on Okan's hat. That was funny. Yep. And then he heads up top, double stomps the chair into Okan's midsection, breaking the chair in the process. Uh, the ref is somehow still down, so Kenta pulls a baseball bat out. But this time, when Kenta tries to swing the bat at Okan, Okan catches the bat in mid-blow. But the referee revives, sees Okan with the bat, and yep. despite the fact that I don't think Great Okan has cheated once in his entire uh, New Japan career so far, the ref sees the bat and is like, you definitely used that bat, huh? And the argument allows Kenta to schoolboy Okan from behind with the tights for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like every Kenta match in this tournament so far for me, where I'm enjoying it a ton, and, and then the bullshit starts and it sucks. Uh, and I guess I just have to learn to accept this shit from Kenta at this point. But, like, it it's... Okay. When Kenta first got to New Japan, I yeah. understood why they leaned so heavily in the bullshit because he looked like he didn't have his legs under him at all. Now he's having these really enjoyable matches, these really enjoyable straight wrestling matches with these opponents, and then just doing bullshit for no reason. He does not need the bullshit. Like, it just com- feels completely unnecessary for him. 
I get he's a heel and he's in Bullet Club, but like other Bullet Club mm. members are are not doing anything in this tournament. I mean, you know, yes. Yujiro is barely cheating. Tonga Loa isn't really cheating at all. Tom and Tonga. I don't know. I just I I really wish he would just drop the bullshit because he's already turned into like a great uh, wrestler in New Japan. It doesn't need that bullshit at all. Um, I'll go three and a half on balance because everything leading up to the end was a lot of fun. But it easily could have been four stars without all that cliche bullshit at the end. I I hate the spot where the ref like sees the guy with the bat and argues with him. It's like, come on, you know who exact? It's Great Okan and Kenta. When has Great Okan ever used a baseball bat? Just I hate that fucking yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. Someone made a comparison for like modern twenty twenty one Kenta to Eddie Guerrero. I saw that mm. and it, like it, it, I kind of thought about it for a minute. I was like, no, that's not right. And then I thought about it for a minute. I was like, actually. You know, entertaining matches, and then the bullshit happens, and then you know he interferes, and like it's entertaining. It's enter. It's like it's the sort of thing where it's like it's not like the evil bullshit where it like takes the wind of a match. It's like funny, weird, sort of like comedy, um, you know, shenanigans. And so, like, I kind of thought about that. I was like, okay, if this is going to be what Kenta is now, he's not going to put on these four and a half star matches or anything like that. He's going to just like playing to his character. Um, I guess I can kind of accept that. I kind of accept that leaning into this particular. Yeah, but the problem I have with that with that comparison, and I guess with that with that scenario, though, is I I feel like he almost is putting on like really great in ring yeah. matches yeah. until the bullshit starts. I'm just like, it doesn't feel like he even needs this anymore. But I don't know. Maybe it's, mm. it's just maybe it's just what he wants to do. I have no idea. Yeah, I I feel like he's like trying to play into like this really distinct character. Well, not distinct. I don't know, but like he's got like this idea for this character he wants to play of like, okay, he can you know work a good match but then also have these shenanigans at the end to show that like he doesn't need these shenanigans but he just wants to put them in to like sort of i don't know uh give that sort of like to stay heel or something like that and yeah. I, I don't know if that's working because it's entertaining um i feel like um the other thing about okan that i was sort of thinking about so one he's only been wrestling for four years and he's already this good which is a little freaky He's really I, like I, I know so many people who insist he's horrible, and I just I I don't understand it. Like like Quinlan, Quinlan mm. will insist he's bad. And I'm just like you have Meltzer brain. I don't understand like why yeah. the, why what it, what about Great Okan is bad? I just never understood it. Like well, he comes out, he does awesome holds. He looks like a very unique. I mean, he has this very unique character. He plays it to perfection. He looks like mm-hmm. a badass. Like I just I don't really get it. Like what is bad about this? It's one of the more I bizarre think, takes out there at this point. I I think some of these matches are a little hit and miss. Like there are some cases where like you'll have an occasional match where it kind of doesn't it falls flat. But I'm actually sure. kind of I like I don't I don't mind that. Who, I think who actually, doesn't though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think like the character points, like um, you know, I think is like really really important. If someone said to you in 2018, "Oh, this great Okan guy, like Oka's going to come back from Revfro. He's going to come back with the same weird gimmick he's currently working in that's bombing." And it's going to be one of the best characters in the company. You'd go like, no, that's fucking stupid. You're yeah. on drugs. But it's like, no, actually, he has come back and he's made this weird, you know, off the wall character really, really engaging, and makes me want to like, even if the matches aren't like, you know, four and a half star work rates, you know, bonanzas. I want to watch everything he does, and I want to see how many, you know, I want to see how he faces everyone in that B block who he hasn't faced yet. He's fresh. He's new. He's engaging. So, I love the Okan. Me too. And and he loves anime girls, so that's another another, <laughs> another, another favor. Uh, although we, although he and I really don't have the same taste in, in anime at all. Like he loves, mm. um, you know, like the he loves like the I don't know, like these Bushi Road like 
uh, which I'm sure does. they love. Like these yeah. Bushiroad like uh, Idol Girl shows, which has never been mm-hmm. my thing really. But yeah, he yeah. loves he loves those kind of shows, and it's not really my thing at all. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but you know, God bless them. Everybody's got to love whatever they love, and he loves anime girls uh, doing idol things. So I'm yeah. not going to yuck his yum. Exactly. Uh, I don't know what that means. What is that? <laughs> is that, is that like a say, saying down there? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you don't uh, yuck someone else's yum. It's like you don't. Um... Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Once I thought about it for a second. Yeah. Uh, but yes, after the match, Kenta tries to get Okan to give him that humiliating bow. Yep. Okan starts doing it, but then just gives him the Eliminator instead. That was awesome. Just like, fuck you. Yep. He's like, I'm not bowing to your cheating ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, match Kenta number... Has... Kenta has the best faces. He has the oh, best yeah. fucking facial expressions. Yeah, he's oh, just like so disgusted after. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> match number four: uh, Tonga Loa defeating Yujiro Takahashi in twelve thirty six with the ape shit. Uh, Tonga goes to two and three, and Yujiro drops down to two and three. Um, so all four of the people here: Yujiro, Tonga, and their two seconds, uh, Peter and Jado. They did mm-hmm. the two sweep before the match, so I guess everyone was on the same page from the start at least. Uh, but Tonga and Yujiro both take turns like swerving on each other. Uh, another two sweet though. They just kick the other one in the gut instead. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was your early, I guess, you know, it got a turn. At least they didn't do the fucking lay down for me. Ugh, bullshit. <laughs> that we saw from evil the night before. Yeah. Uh, Tonga Loa at one point busts out a standing moonsault. That's like, look, you're, it, this sucks for Tongaloa because, like, you're in the same company as Jeff Cobb, yeah. a way bigger dude who can do a standing moonsault. So it's like this impressive move, uh, you know, in, in a vacuum, like, just kind of can't compare. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just sucks for Tonga. Uh, the match settles into being a bit boring during Tongaloa's heat period. Just not much happening there. And Yujiro's selling, I thought, was really not good at all here in this match. Like, at some point, Tonga has him in some kind of wacky rest hold. And mm-hmm. Yujiro... You know, the camera's pointed right at Yujo's face. So Yujo's looking straight in the camera and he's making this face where he looks like, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what he was, like he's trying to act like he's in pain, but it looks mm-hmm. more like he's trying to act surprised. I don't know how to describe, like he had this big wide open face and it's like, it looked more like somebody, it honestly looked like somebody was told they're going to have a surprise party and they're now showing up at the, <laughs> They're now showing up at their <laughs> surprise party trying to act like they're surprised because they don't want everybody to feel bad that they already knew about the surprise party. I mean, that's what his face looked like. So mm. somehow trying to act like he's in pain turned into a very unconvincing trying to act, uh, act like he's surprised. It's very bizarre. Uh, but Yujo's little comeback after the five-minute mark, that was better. And that's definitely mm. where he excels at playing underdog. Uh, yeah. He does a nice topay of the floor, too. That got some, you know, gasping out of the crowd, which, uh, you know, this crowd was not exactly making a ton of noise. So, mm. uh, Peter, Peter, one, but like her dancing was just kind of funny. Like she looks, the, she's like dancing with the clapping or something. But like, I don't know. It's not often you see a woman as attractive as her look like an absolute dork. And she kind of <laughs> looked like a huge dork the way she was shaking around. I'm like, you're supposed to be a dancer, aren't you? Like you're. Yeah. This was not very good dancing. Like, I don't know. Maybe they weren't giving her a good enough beat or something, but it was very weird. I guess uh, it's hard to dance in heels that high, I suppose. Yeah, that's true, that's true yeah. too. I well, I, I, I mean, people do it, apparently. But, well, and, yeah. Uh, you know, at certain establishments. Mm. Uh, Yujiro and Tonga, they go back and forth looking for their signature moves. Uh, mm. Yujiro eventually lands the Olympic Slam and Miami Shine for near falls. 
Uh, Tonga comes back, though, nails the ape shit out of nowhere, and that gives him his first real win of the tournament, because remember, his two points yes. uh, were the Naito, uh, you know, forfeit match. But yeah, this was fine. Not anything more than that. I would go, I went three. Maybe that's a little generous, even. Uh, it was boring early. Usual selling was goofy, but I thought it picked up enough down the stretch to call it a fine little match. I don't think it was bad, certainly, but like, you know, both these guys have had better matches in this tournament so far already. So, you know, what are you going to do? I thought they had a good idea of like Yudro trying to counterplay Tunga Loa and try to use his momentum against him a lot. I thought like that risk, like that wrist clutch back into the Olympic Slam was kind of cool, but like this is an okay match that the crowd did not give a single shit about. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tangaloa helped Yujo up afterward, even kind of helped him in the back. So mm-hmm. no signs of Bullet Club dissension there, at least. So Bullet Club is fine. All the, all the evil and uh, God, who the fuck was he facing the night before? Chase Owens. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Chase Owens. Oh yeah, that evil and Chase, yeah. all that stuff the night before. Yeah. You know, this was a much more amicable, amicable end, I guess, than uh, evil and Chase the night before. Like where Chase gave him the two sweep, but looked so angry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we have the first of two matches that kind of saved the show. I mean, eh, maybe that's too strong. Eh, eh. The local card wasn't that bad. But Tomiho Ishii defeats Zack Sabre Jr. in 1840 with the vertical drop Brain Buster. Uh, Ishii moves up to 3-3, three and three, and Zack suffers his first loss of the tournament. He is now 4-1. and one. Disgusting. Uh, Zack gets the European clutch on Ishii, very nearly pins him with the European mm-hmm. clutch in the first minute or two of the match. Uh, it was a very, very close near fall. Really cool ending to a fun little opening sequence. Uh, Ishii chops the hell of Zack in the corner, but Zack finally comes back with this nasty-looking arm stretch using the ropes. Uh, Ishii starts working over Zack's leg a bit to try to counter Zack working over his arm, but then he ends up like collapsing to the mat for hitting an elbow. Uh, Zack gets his swinging DT, swinging DT out of the corner, Ishii no-sells it, hits this mm. huge shoulder, shoulder block that just sends Zack flying. Zack pops right up from that, hits a PK, but Ishii no-sells that and hits a huge lariat to mm. finally end a very wild sequence. Uh, the match keeps up a high pace. You get several near falls off of flash pens, and Zack gets a great high-speed front suplex to counter Ishii trying for the Brain Buster. Uh, and then as soon as Ishii hits the mat, he goes straight into looking for uh, first a Kimura and then a cross arm breaker. So that was cool. He then switches to a triangle. Ishii sells like he's going out, but he's finally able to recover and just starts stepping on Zack's face to get mm. him to break it. That was awesome. They've, they've done that before, I think, in the yep. previous matches, but it's a great spot. Um, Zack tries to immediately hit, hit the Zack driver as they stand back up, which again, I thought was a, a cool counter from his perspective where it's like, you know, he's... Uh, you know, just the mo- the submission won- didn't work, so he goes right for his, uh, you know, his his high impact move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ishii though hits a huge headbutt to counter it. Zach no sells that, hits a high kick to Ishii's arm. Ishii shrugs that off and hits another huge lariat uh, to put him down. At this point, this this was where the match really just fucking owned. We get another big lariat from Ishii. Zach kicks out at two, and Ishii then nails the brainbuster. And that is, of course, the pen to give Zach his first loss of the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. This is pretty much as awesome as you would expect. You know, I went four and a quarter here. Uh, if anything, it felt like it could have gone way longer. The match ended somewhat abruptly. And I, I would have been down for more of this match, which, you know, you don't always say that after a big New Japan match, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the both these guys, you know, Zach and Ishii, really helping to carry A block. 
not exactly unexpected. Uh, and you could maybe argue Ishii going back to Lariat so much with all the arm work Zach did was like bad selling or psychology. But I thought Ishii did such a great job, you know, selling his own arm pain, even yeah. after he hit every move that I really didn't mind it at all. So, you know, I enjoyed this match was awesome. I think these two are like the perfect opponents for each other in terms of like two yeah. two people who have like very distinct styles who are very different in terms of physical you know appearance and physical like structure and size who like um you know play off each other really well you have like Ishii coming with the high impact strikes you know and being able to withstand anything that Zach can throw at him and then Zach like basically whimper like you know falling to a single strike and you know having to fight back with the submissions and like that's a really it's a really interesting contrast like the only criticism I can have for this is like these two have faced off like a bunch of times before and you know because they are so distinct and they are so different from each other and we've seen this you know a number of times before like you know what you're getting coming into this that being said it fucking ruled it still was like an awesome awesome match so yeah. um yeah yeah highly recommended I've, I've got to give criticism to Ishii for trying to you know screw the rightful G1 winner again by beating him but hey one year one year <laughs> um the this by the way evened up the the career series so it was oh, really? three two yeah it was three two Zach entering this match so it is now three three well, they kind of talked about this like so Zach had gotten all of his wins in the past in the G one so if you look at it Zach beat or or two of his three so yeah. Zach beat him um in the twenty seventeen G one he beat him in the twenty eighteen G one and he won their last meeting which is where he won the Red Pro title back from him at Wrestle Kingdom 13, uh, January 4th, 2019. So this was their first meeting in almost, you know, like like almost three years. years. Yeah. Uh, Ishii's two wins came in the, uh, the U.S. title tournament, their first ever meeting in July yep. 2017. And then he beat him in New Orleans uh, during WrestleCon 2018 to win the Red Pro title. So this was Ishii's first ever win against Zach in a G1. And it was, you know, like I said, they evened up the career series uh, at three and three. Mm-hmm. The main event here uh, was Kota Ibushi defeating Shingo Takagi in 23-57 with the Kamigoe. Uh, Ibushi goes to 4-2, and two and Shingo drops to 3-2. and two. Uh, Shingo and Ibushi, they definitely start slow here. This was paced the way you could t- sort of tell they were going long. I believe this was easily Ibushi's longest match uh, since coming back from his uh, you know illness. So you know it was good to see him uh, kind of work his way into a 24-minute match here and maybe yes. get into that pace again because you know i think people are kind of wondering like okay can he just not go long because he's doing a lot of like you know the, the match with tanahashi at the dome i think went 19 minutes and 1747 oh seven no there you go they even yeah. even shorter than i thought maybe it was like the g his last big g1 main event went like 19 minutes i don't know yeah but yeah exactly I mean, yeah. yeah so you know just like it was good to see him go a little longer here uh abushi at one point hits like this really nice snap rana from a standing position that sends Shingo all the way to the floor. So Koda can hit a really nice acai moonsault and he does it off the top rope instead of the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. instead of the second rope, like we usually say, uh, of course he lands right on his neck in the process. Not, not very surprising. Um, then we get a, uh, very hard strike exchange with, between Abushi's kicks and Shingo's chops, but Shingo, Puts a stop to that just before the 15-minute call with a nice dragon screw. And I love that he lifted that move because from Tanahashi, because first of all, mm. it kind of continues his um, you know, his uh 
his whole like you know move thief character he has going in New Japan. But more importantly, he's the fucking dragon, so it makes a lot of sense that he has. Oh yeah, the dragon's right. crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ibushi hits a very nice short arm lariat at one point, but Shingo no sells it. Hits his own lariat. Uh, Ibushi takes this huge flip bump, uh, just and then and like, but then like kind of still pops right back up. And then German suplexes Shingo, but Shingo no sells it. Hits this big running elbow to the back of Abushi's head as Abushi's sitting there, kind of like grinning like an idiot uh, hmm. over what he just did or something. It was very weird, honestly. He was just kind of sitting there grinning, like, "Yeah, look what I just did." Um, but yeah, then uh, Shingo like then just like fucking murders this dude with his lariat from the left, like the moment Abushi avoided the pumping bomber. That was a really really cool spot. Uh, he then hits Made in Japan for a close near fall, but Ibushi comes back uh, with the Bamaye, hits his sit-out last ride for a two-count just before the 20-minute call. He tries for Kamigoe, but Shingo is too strong. He locks his arm together to, ki- to keep Ibushi from pulling him in. He headbutts him in the chest a couple times, hits this great counterpunch right to the face, uh, and then a huge headbutt. Then he, like, again... I don't know if this was meant to be a movie thing. I, I kind of feel like it was. He hits this big knee to like a kneeling Abushi's head. Mm. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen him hit a knee attack at all before. So no. I guess you could argue. Yeah. It's weird. It kind of adds to his move stealing gimmick, which I, I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he hits a huge pumping bomber. Abushi, of course, takes this enormous bump for it. Uh, that gets a two count. And then Shingo starts battering Abushi with the forearms from each side. But Abushi answers with a huge palm strike. Hits this really cool high kick. Like he almost did like a handstand to hit the high kick. It looked really cool mm. as like a, a counter to the to charging Shingo. Uh, then he just grabs him and nails him at Kamigoe. He covers, but Shingo somehow kicks it too, and this or kicks out too. And this Nagoya crowd that hadn't been great all night, as we went over already, just yeah. reacts really big for that. So that was cool. Uh, Koda tries for Kamigoe again. Uh, Shingo catches it though. Pulls him straight up into Last of the Dragon. Abushi escapes with the reverse Rana. He hits a huge running knee to Shingo's face. Then the reverse Kamigoe to the back and the Kamigoe to the front. And that's the pen. Uh, awesome, awesome main event. It started a little bit slow, but, you know, it was, I thought it was four and a quarter easy again. I kind of even thought about four and a half. They really turned it down, the, turned it on up down the stretch, adding some stuff that, that was kind of new for them. But, you know, the early portion is just a little too dull for me to go that high. Uh, so it was four and a quarter here. And, you know, I think it was behind at least one other four and a quarter match that's happened in the G1 already. Mm. Uh, but this is just your prototypical awesome New Japan main. Uh, again, this is the exact kind of match that explains why for all the other issues, both these matches, I already kind of went through this, but, like, why I, I still watch New Japan and stick with the promotion. Because, you know, matches like this are still worth it. And they still give you more of these than... You know, certainly more than AEW does. Uh, and I can't call... Like, AEW obviously delivered with that Kenny Danielson match last week, but they, you know, you, you have to go, like, every three months, maybe, for a match, you know, close to that good. Whereas, you know, you get you obviously get a lot more than in New Japan. Um, I can't call this anything other than a very good show, thanks to these uh, two matches. Uh, and I liked Okan versus Kenta, too. I'm sorry, you can go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like <laughs> I've got some thoughts in this match. Sorry. Yeah, 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 you can get... Well, you can go ahead. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have sorry. read that, that part of it, I guess. Oh, good. Uh, I I, I kind of hated this match, honestly. I oh, am no. I am <laughs> I am like I am like okay. So Shingo first. I think Shingo is great. I um you know he's had a really great G one. He's been like 
you know, really, really, you know, carrying this block a lot. And, uh, like, basically no complaints about him. Fucking Koto Ibushi. I... You're, like, the number uh, one Ibushi hater, so... Well, I just... Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I feel like he has peaked in this company. Um, and he will never reach that height again. And, like, um, like I don't know. Like, I think his G1 has been kind of... Like, I don't want to say crap, but it's, like, very below par. and Very below standard, I think. And... I feel like he, this illness he had has like really affected the pacing of his matches and sort of the level of like cardio he has. And I think he's still kind of recovering from it. Well, I, th- I make- find it interesting you said about this match because I thought this was like I would have agreed with everything you just said up until this match, where I thought this was like this is the most classic coda I thought we looked we got all tournament. Oh, I felt like it just like dragged on and on and on, like especially in the first ten or so minutes, and I got really distracted. Like I could hear him breathing. And like I could like mm-hmm. like it like it really took me out of it because like Shingo was working his chest, doing like all the stomps on top of the chest and all that sort of stuff. And I felt like I don't know, like that was like a weird, not, not a weird decision. It makes sense considering in storyline, but it's like I feel like he is still recovering and should not be doing matches. Like I don't know if it's like should not be doing matches of this, you know, style. But it's like he's being sort of put in a spot to where he has to work to a certain standard to a certain length and i feel like he's still physically struggling with it um yep the other thing is like the kamigoi fucking stinks i hate that move oh now. i do agree with you on that it's a, it's a fucking yeah. pretty shitty finisher so in in the yano match um uh abushi hit yano with an, a kamigoi to the back of the head and yano no sold it <laughs> and i was like and i was like what the fuck are we doing what are we like we're actually you know everyone has to take eight fucking kamigoyas to lose a match you know you have to go through the first kamigoya and they kick out and then you you know put the knee pad down and then you hit in the back of the head and it's like uh like i don't know what it is and i might talk about this later with someone else but it's like it feels like a lot of the ibushi matches feel like he has to get all of his shit in especially recently. Mm. And it's like, okay, everyone has to go down to three fucking Kamigoyas. And I'm just, I'm so done with it. And it's sort of like, it kind of like leans into the point of like emotional investment in a character and emotional investment of a crowd and sort of that impacting, you know, enjoyment of a match. Um, you know, I think other people, you know, as you say, I'm probably like the number one Koto Bushi hater, you know, in this particular sphere of, you know, wrestling Twitter or whatever. But it's like, I am so not invested in his character anymore. I think it, and so, like, and that really hurts my enjoyment of this match and of, like, his G1 as a whole. I feel like he's kind of really, just kind of over it. <laughs> and if he wins this block, I might quit. I might actually be done for a while because, <laughs> you know, he needs, like, some sort of complication or some sort of, um, you know, challenge to go and face. He really shouldn't be coming back from an illness that bad and beating Shingo in a competitive match yet, I don't think. Yeah, all that's fair. I don't know. I just didn't. I mean, I agree with you. The opening part was slow, but I just thought it was slow in the typical New Japan long match kind of way, mm. which I don't know. It doesn't bother me really. Um, but you know, I mean, if the match had a flaw, that was obviously it. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of the match, I thought Coda looked like classic Coda, which I thought was, you know, good to see because, like you said, it didn't. It wasn't always the case in his some of his earlier matches. Yeah. But, I don't know. I definitely not. I don't have a strong problem with Code as you do. That's cl- that's yeah. very clearly. I mean, I think he's been. I don't think he's been the like. I would put him like probably fourth best in the block or something. But like you know, I think uh, maybe yeah, yeah. Behind Sh- Shingo, I mean Shingo and Zach are ahead of him f- for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, how much do you like Okan, uh, Ishii, maybe Kenta. Smith, Kenta? I mean, Kenta can't be that high for me with the bullshit. But oh, okay. you know. 
anyway, I don't know. But I, I thought I think Kota's been good. I definitely think he. I thought he was great in this match, but Shingo was it just on an, on another level right now. Yeah, so. Shingo wins. Sh- yeah, like, Shingo. Yeah. Shingo really, I thought carried it probably. You know, yeah. if if Kota Ibushi is past his peak in this company, which I think he kind of is a little bit, Shingo is at the peak right now. Yeah, and so. he's killing it. So there you go. All right, so that is our. But I want to be clear. I do not co-sign the idea that Kota Ibushi is like washed <laughs> or anything. I think he's still a very good wrestler, but you know, it, it does kind of feel like maybe he does need a longer, a longer trip back to the top or something. Cause yeah, it does feel a little weird. If he's just to come right back and, you know, get right back well, to the. It's like, what else can he do? Yeah. I mean, he has it's that one... problem where it's like, they won, they won the big one already. Yeah. And you know, even Okada kind of, but I mean, Okada, they just keep shoehorning him back to the top anyway. So, well, I think the Okada problem is a little different because Okada's just got put into the main event and has been there for the past nine years. Whereas with, you know, with Naito and with Ibushi, I think Ibushi to a greater extent, like they've won like every title in this company. They've won the New Japan Cup. They've won G1s. You know, they've won, you know, Tokyo Dome main events. It's like, what's new for them? Yeah. I mean, now and, I kind of want to see Naito get his big injury, uh, hmm. you know, return from injury is going to help him a lot, I think. Yeah, so. I think I think Naito can overcome that because Naito has significantly more charisma than Ibushi does and can get by, like, can use that mm. to get that emotional investment. Yeah. But I don't know. Bushi does feel a little lost in the shuffle right now. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, so here's our A block standings after night nine. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. still alone on top because he's the only one who's four and one for eight points. The other eight point wrestlers all tied for second. They are all four and two. So it's Great Okan, Kenta, and Kota Ibushi. Uh, tied for fifth, Shingo Takagi and Toriyano, both three and two. And then <laughs> seventh place, Tomiro Ishii at three and three. And then tied for eighth, Yujiro Takahashi and Tonga Loa at two and three. Uh, I will uh, give my top... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think you've got someone. Uh, Naito is 0-9, yes. I yeah. don't read that off every time. Sorry. <laughs> but, I, just, I just had like, to. <laughs> what is the point? But yes, I get it. Uh, the top five matches after night nine, because there, uh, there was a new addition here, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth place match I still have is Okada versus Royce Tanahashi from night two, the only B-block match that's in the top five. Uh, that is four and a quarter. Actually, five through two are all four and a quarter, so it's easy to say. Uh, fourth place, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, that is from night three, uh, also four and a quarter. Third place, Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi from this show, October 3rd, uh, night nine. Second place, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito, October 18th from night one. And still in first place, uh, very difficult to unseat this one, Shingo Takagi versus Tomiho Ishii from night one uh, on September 18th, which I went four and three quarters on. So definitely has quite the advantage there. Um, and after the after tomorrow, we're exactly halfway through. What you know, we'll, we'll both blocks have wrestled, uh, I guess, five matches. Uh, I will give a top 10. So I'll expand it on the Patreon to a top 10 matches of the G1. You got to get that uh, Okada Sonata match in there. You know, you can't you can't do a top ten. So that's in there. Night eleven will be the next time the A blocks in action. That will be Thursday, October seventh from Hiroshima. Uh, the card here the starts with a non tournament match with Ryuhi Oiwa against El Desperado. Then your special oh. singles match for the night: Hiromu Takahashi versus Kenta. That could be great. That's gonna own. The two of them are going to do so much stupid bullshit together. They're going to like <laughs> yeah. grin, make so many great faces together. 
would be great. Uh, <laughs> match three, your first tournament match of the night, Kota Ibushi versus Tonga Loa, a first ever time ever singles match. Um, I, I don't really see any reason why Ibushi wouldn't win that. Uh, match four, another first time ever singles match, Zack Sabre Jr. against Yujo Takahashi. Again, Zack should win that pretty easily. Uh, semi-main event, Tor Yano versus Shingo Takagi. Both these guys are at six points. They've only met once, and Shingo got the win. I, I would assume Shingo wins, but, you know, Yano can always be anybody, but just it just would seem weird for Yano well, to get the win. Yeah, I mean, Shingo kind of has to lose three times, right? To not win the block. Yeah, so he's already, what, he's lost? He's, he's lost, lost twice. He's lost twice already. Yeah, take him yeah. one more. Yeah. Uh, the so. main event, another first time ever singles match. This one I'm excited for. Tobihiro Ishii versus Great Okan. Uh, I think Okan's going to win. I think he's yes. he lost two in a row. I think he's going to get this big win over Ishii to keep him in the running. And, you know, the, the thing with Okan is he has to really have racked up points going the last night since he's the guy who does, he was supposed to fight Naito on the last night. So, mm-hmm. you know, the last night he's going to be just in a special singles match. So, you know, he's got to rack the points up before then. Um, you know, this is a pretty weak A card. Obviously, he was originally supposed to have Kenta Naito to help it a little bit. But, uh, you know, even then, I think it was kind of one of the weaker A block cards anyway. Um, yeah. But it's really a one-match show here with Ishii and Okan. And then Hiromu Kenta as a non-tournament match is easily the second most anticipated match here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, of course, the next G1 show is actually tomorrow. And just both these shows will be covered on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash wrestling will not say that is a B block show from Cork and hall with Okada and Sonata in the main event. Uh, Goto, the jobber against Yoshihashi. Wow. And, <laughs> that's, that's how they book him. That's yeah, zero no. points right there with Chase Owens. He's going uh, zero five. <laughs> Taiji and Cobb and uh, Tanahashi and Chase, even on Tamatanga. So I don't know. See what Okada and Sonata can deliver. I guess it's another kind of one match show. Tomorrow is uh, also three on a Bama. If you don't have to be subscribed to World, okay. Oh, it's free on a Bema. That's true. I think it is free on World too. It might be I free on World they, too. Yeah, yeah, I think any of Bema shows I think also air free on World as well. So yeah, yeah, I think Kevin Kelly was talking about that. All right, so there is your G one. Let's move over now to the N one. Uh, of course, yes. the Noah, the Noah tournament. Um, so the N one, like we've been covering it every night of it, along with the G one. I thought it was a very mixed bag of a tournament leaning into the final here. I mean, you know, I kind of went over that on the Patreon, but mm. you know, it just, it didn't, it didn't peak super high for me. You know, my four of my top five matches were just four stars. And then, you know, after that was like a three and three quarters. So nothing like really got above that four star level. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I thought was very middling in the tournament as well. Uh, even some outright bad stuff too. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a mixed bag of tournament. I will say the final night at least ended on a, on a pretty strong note. So that was nice. I mean, the finals here, uh, you know, the final match, which we'll get to, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, absolutely outstanding. And the two semifinals were pretty great, too. Uh, the show opened with a six-person tag. Now, I did not see this match because I had to skip something okay. yep. to, get to, to get to be able to watch the rest of the show in time. But this was Akitoshi Saito, Manabu Soya, and Kendo Kashin defeating Masaka Demiya, Kotaro Suzuki, and Daiki Inaba. Uh, Soya pinned Inaba in 10.56. Uh, yep. Any thoughts on this one? I assume you saw it. Yeah, I did see this. Um, this was pretty lazy. I think Inaba and Kitamiya put in some effort, but everyone else kind of just sleep, sleepwalk through this. They're making Inaba 
take falls in matches with Saito and a junior in it, which bums me out. Like they should be pushing Inaba a bit. Um, there yeah, was like I've a given, nice. I've given, up, I've given up hope on them ever pushing Inaba. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I'm dumb and still want <laughs> them to push someone young, but I don't think it's going to happen. There was like a nice Soya Suzuki exchange. Like when Kidamiya tags in, the match immediately picked up, but he was in the match for maybe two or three minutes total. So very, very average stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, match number two, the first N1 semifinal. Kano defeated Kaito Kiyomiya. Big upset, obviously, in 15-35. Mm. Now, yep. because I'm an idiot, I loaded up the cage match card to John. write down the card before I started watching the show and completely forgot that they would just list the final. Even though I'm on the card page without the results, they would just list the final mm. there. So, of course, mm-hmm. it would spoil the two semifinals. So, yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, I should, I've, I've, I've done that kind of thing a million times with Cage Match and somehow never learned my lesson. So, uh, I just saw Kenobra's Nagajima. I was like, fuck off. How did I just spoil that? <laughs> and it was like an actual huge upset, too. And I completely yeah. spoiled myself. So, yeah. way to go, May. Uh, I just want to shout out to myself for being a fucking idiot. Uh, but, yeah, this match, Kaito gets a really fast start. It's a running crossbody. It's a knee attack to the face and a snap German in quick succession. Uh, that sends Kano to the floor. Uh, Kano does recover out there. They brawl a bit. Uh, they head back in the ring before Kaito puts on a leg lock. That goes on for quite a long time, which was a little mm-hmm. strange after the fast start. But Kano does finally make the ropes to break. Uh, Kano starts firing up with Kex. Although, uh, he, he like so basically... Kaito, I guess, worked over the wrong leg, right? He was working over the left leg. And, you know, mm. Kano kicks with the right leg. But he was selling it. Like, he was selling that base leg. Because I guess his base leg with a kick. So he would, like, kneel down to, to do the kick. And he would sell the left leg. But then he would just throw the kick. Uh, we get some high-speed exchanges, including some very nice uh, running and diving elbows from Kaito. Kaito hits a basement drop kick. It perfectly sets up a really nice sliding knee to the face. That gets a two count. Uh, he then goes up top for the double stomp, but mm-hmm. Kaito cuts him off. He brings him down and hits a pair of European uppercuts. Uh, Kano fires back with his hard middle kicks, and they exchange back and forth as we get the 10-minute call. Uh, Kaito ends up trying an O'Connor roll, but but, or, or, but uh, Kano cuts back and mm-hmm. pins him instead to this huge stunned reaction from the crowd. Yep. Uh, I'm sure I would have been stunned too if I hadn't spoiled myself like an idiot. But yeah, this was a really fun match that also sort of felt like it ended just when it was going to another another level. And I guess they had to because they, you know, you know, Kano had to work another match. It can't go super long or anything. But yeah, it was still great, but I went I went three and three quarters, just below four stars. So, you know, pretty great match. I thought this was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed this. Um the the, the note I have down here is this match for me really highlights the difference between sort of like a um what's what's the phrasing like a minor star and a solid up mid, upper mid card worker versus a major star so i feel like um you know no disrespect to kano um even though he's a bit of a dork um but i feel like kano is like the perfect star for like the michinoku pros or the osaka pros where he came from and like in this company now he is like a one you know upper mid card sort of um wrestler who does quite well but it's like he, he doesn't have that thing that um can make him be the ace of a company right you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in contrast, um, Kiyomiya, 
Kiyomita has arrived. Like he has like got this new look has like done wonders for him. He's been excellent throughout this tournament. He's been excellent throughout this particular um sort of the past six or twelve months um of this run. And I feel like that really was like sort of evident through their work. So Kaito, when he was like working the leg here, was like sublime, like so fucking good in terms of like really focusing in on that leg and you know putting all these knee breakers in and leg bars and really focusing on it. Um, but it was like it wasn't. It was a case where like it wasn't flashy. It was he is focusing on his leg to take out Kaido, um, Kano's base leg in that particular spot, um, and I felt like that was really really effective and engaging. In contrast, like I feel like Kano, like okay, yeah, he sold a bit for that leg, but I felt like there was like okay, he needed his shit, you know, he needs to get his shit in, he needs to get the perfect foot bump in, and all sort of stuff as well. And I felt like that, you know, it, the match didn't suffer, but it just like really illustrated the difference between these two wrestlers um, at this point in their careers. The fact that you um, described it as an upset, like I agree with, and I was like kind of shocked by when they like did the roll up because I watched this live and I was like, oh shit, like what? You're actually doing that particular, you know, ending and actually having it. But I feel like there's now like this match really portrayed like, okay, Kano's at this level. Kaito is now at a higher level than Kano. Um, and that was the way in which that that's really um, demonstrated how these two have grown over the past three or four years, where it's gone from Kano knocking out Kaito and, you know, really dominating him to now like, okay, Kaito's developed as this lead character in this promotion. And now it's like, okay, this is the perfect finish for a match of this quality, a match of this sort of like um stature at this point in their careers. I thought this was like really great stuff. Go out and watch this if you don't if you didn't get a chance to see it. There you go. Uh the other semifinal match was Katsuhiko Nakajima defeating Masakatsu Furunaki in only 838 with the vertical spike. Wow, I didn't realize it was that short. Yeah, uh, this is exactly what you'd expect it to be. Super hard hitting, filled with some really great mat wrestling too. Uh, Funaki at one point is just he just fucking slaps Nakajima in the face as hard as he possibly can before then delivering a PK for a two count. And then Funaki nearly taps Nakajima out with a cross arm breaker, but he's able to scramble the ropes to break. Uh, that leads in this really hard hitting kick exchange. Uh, Nakajima wins with a kick that Funaki sells, you know, like it knocked him out. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just yep. barely kick out of the pin attempt, but Nakajima then just lifts him up, hangs him up there for a long time on the brain buster, and hits it for the pin. Uh, yep. Fantastic finish. He just knocked this man out with one kick and then put him away with the brain buster. And, you know, I can't remember the last time Funaki jobbed to anybody that cleanly. Um, yeah. This ruled. I, I thought this was very slightly better than the other semifinal. I went four stars flat here. Uh, you know, it was very short again, but, uh, you know, it was. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, just really, really hard hitting. Everything looked great. Uh, they beat the piss out of each other. Just, you know, classic pro wrestling. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Like, Funaki is, what, 54 or 55? And probably can't work a 20-minute match at this point. So why make him work a 20-minute match? Like, this is eight minutes, get in and out, kick the fuck out of each other. Perfect. Like, this I mean, was I just wanna, like the... I um... want to say really quickly, Funaki is 52. So how dare you? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, hope doesn't come off to me. I was like, I I would have guessed fifty probably, so I would have hmm. I would have undershot it, and you would have overshot it, but because the price is right, I would have won because. <laughs> well, he's been he's been working since like nineteen eighty five, which yeah. is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I felt like, like I love that um the Fujita, uh, Funaki match from the the last block night as well, but I was like, yeah, this this was even better than that, and I really love the you know sudden ending, get on with it, you know, fuck yeah. Uh, then we had Atsutoshi Kotogi losing to Ada in 949. 
So this this match, you know, was to set up the junior tag title challenge with him and Osawa against mm-hmm. Kotogi and Ohara that's coming up. It bored me for a bit, especially during Ata's heat period where not much in- interesting was going on. But I love Kotogi's comeback. He got to show really great fire, hitting these repeated hard lariats in the corner. That was great stuff. Uh, but Ada ended up pinning him with his uh, vertebraker thing. And I don't forget yep. what he got. And, you know, uh, that was pretty good. Not much more than that. I went three and a quarter. You know, nothing you got to run out to watch, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought this was like, okay. Um, Katoge rules, and like he is the perfect person to put a new character in with because he has that fire and that sort of underdog babyface sort of vibe. Um, I felt like this was like Ata very much working a character. I'm not very familiar with Ata from Dragon Gate. Like that's the one big promotion I don't really watch. So I don't know if this is similar to the matches he has over there. Yeah, but, he's, um, been a, he's been like a scumbag heel forever there, I think. Okay. okay. I, I'm very, like I have not watched Dragon Gate regularly since like 2018 or something. So I, you know, I, I don't know what's happened the past three years, but definitely when I still watch Dragon Gate all the time, he was like Mr. Scumbag Heel. Okay. So yeah, he was Mr. Scumbag Heel here too. That was good. <laughs> And then he cut uh, a promo afterwards, which you'll go into. Yeah. Which... Actually, I didn't write it down. I don't really, I don't know what he said. Oh, he basically just put <laughs> Kitoke down for a solid five to seven minutes. And I was like, okay. come on, get on with it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's very, again, very similar to Dragon Gate stuff. So, yeah. I mean, this was, it's definitely not him playing any kind of nude character. That is for sure. Yep. Uh, match number five was Hayata oh. and, and Yoshinori Ogawa versus Daisuke Harada and Junta. Miyawaki, it went to a double fall in 806. I didn't dislike this. You really hated this that much? Uh, I'll get I'll, I'll, Okay. I'll, I'll, mean, I'll get to it. So it was yeah. to build up a GHC junior title match on October 10th uh, between with Harada challenging Hayata. Um, I thought there was some really good action in this match. The finish, though, was weird as fuck. So Harada sort of did like this weird roll through into a German suplex bridge, but mm. without the actual German suplex. It looked really weird. But yep. maybe not bad. I don't know. It looked kind of. It looked. It was kind of neat in a very unique way. But I'm like, why not just do a German suplex? I don't. Anyway, but somehow he has his own shoulders down as well. So the referee mm-hmm. counts a double fall, making it a draw. Uh, I went three and a quarter. I thought it was pretty fun, but a very strange finish. Uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on it? Before I get to the so I've been one? watching a lot. I've been watching a lot of Ogawa over the past two or three months. Um, we've been in lockdown, you know, I've been watching the old, you know, t- early 2000s um, Noah. Ogawa fucking rules, and he still rules. So yeah. in this match, I think he had like maybe 90 seconds of ring time. Yeah, he didn't that. get any time in this match. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a Hayata guy either, usually. I thought he was so, fine here, but I'm not usually a Hayata guy. So the contrast is, you team up Ogawa, who rules, and has ruled for 30 years, and you team me up with the worst major league wrestler in the world, in Hayata. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, what, what are we doing? Like, Hayata is sloppy and boring, which is a bad combination for a wrestler. Um, so yeah, I just, I just like, c- couldn't really get into it. I felt the ending, like you're, you're right, it was, it was creative, but it was also kind of lame and kind of like, you re- look really silly. And so, you know, they've been doing draws on the build up to the junior title match. They did a thirty minute draw in, uh, was it Yokohama? I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, no more, no more fucking double pins. Stop it. Double Everyone's doing. Everyone's doing them now. Stop <coughs> doing it, please. Wow. I beg. Uh, after the match, Harada says he can't accept that decision, so he wants Hayata in a singles match right now. Again, mm-hmm. I knew that happened based on the cage match card. I didn't know how it happened, but I knew they did go to a singles match. Uh, apparently, it's non-title. Anyway, yep. so Harada and Hayata elbow each other right off the bat. Hayata walks out. Okay. 
<laughs> I don't know what the yes. point of that was. Yeah. So it went zero minutes and 59 seconds. And the ex- the actual Noah site says the match result was, quote, Hayata match abandoned. So yep. obviously that's some English, but like it wasn't a count out or anything. The ref, Hayata just walked away and the ref was like, well, yeah. I guess you lose. And it was very strange. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to bother giving that a rating. It was very, very weird. A little bit of crack booking here from Nosawa. I got to... He always does one or two really weird things, and uh, that was definitely the one here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like Nosawa. It's like sometimes he hits, sometimes he misses. This was... What are you doing? What? Come on. Stop it. And Harada does go after him afterward, but uh, there you go. So the semi-main event was a six-man tag team match. Takashi Sugera, Kazuchi Sakuraba, and Kazuki Fujita defeating the M's Alliance, uh, Keiji Muto, Masato Tanaka, and Masaki Mochizuki. Sugera pins Mochizuki in eighteen seventeen with the Olympic Slam. Um, I thought there was a little slow paced at first, uh, given these six guys in there and their combined age of approximately 10,000. <laughs> yes. Not that much of a surprise, I guess, there's a little slow paced. But some hard-hanging strikes, too. Um, and the match ends with the three of them, you know, triple teaming Mochizuki and leading to that leads to Segura putting him away at the end of a surprisingly long match. I wrote uh, mm-hmm. with the Olympic Slam. Uh, this was good. Also, kind of drags me a little at times, it, but more less because anything they were doing more and like I want to get to the N one finals and mm-hmm. uh, my pal Liam is waiting to record with me. Kind of <laughs> like why is this going on for so long? Uh, but yeah, I went three and a half. You know, I would have cut a few minutes for sure, but I, th- I still thought it was good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the old fuck pro offer match. Um, <laughs> congrats to Masato Tanaka for being the youngest person in this match at a sprightly he, 48 years old. He's the youngest person? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I yeah, don't know ev- why I wouldn't. That is that is shocking. Yeah. So like, everyone, do you have everybody else's age in front of you? I do. I do. All right, let's go through it. 48 right. from who, who's second? Who's second? Who is second I'm going to guess Sakuraba's second youngest. Uh, no. You okay, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me then. Uh, Mochizuki. I'm just getting up their birth dates. Just give me one second. Mochizuki uh, is 51. So he's he second is, youngest? Uh, give me one second. Oh, okay. I just need, I need, <laughs> to, get, I need to get a tiebreaker here. I wanted to get... Uh, no, no, Mochi, Mochizuki is not second youngest. Uh, Sugera? Yeah, Sugera okay. is 51. So obviously then Mochizuki is third. So he's 50, yep. he's also 51. And then we got three guys left. Okay. I'm going to say Sakuraba has to be next. Yep. 52. Okay. Then Fujita. Sorry, I am wrong, actually. I can't read. Fujita is actually the second youngest person in this match. He's only 50. What? Yeah. He looks like he's 70. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So Tanaka's youngest of 48. Fujita yep. is somehow second youngest of 50. Yep. Then Mochizuki. Yep. Then Sugera, then yep. Sakuraba fifty two. Yep. Because Mochizuki and Sugera both fifty one, and then Keiji Moto's what, like fifty six? Fifty eight. Okay, I, yeah. I really undershot it there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Disgusting. So Keiji Muto is six years older than the second young oldest person in this match. That is correct. <laughs> in this very old fuck match. Yep. Wow. There you go. If I'm sure we confuse the listeners, let's just do it one more time. Okay. Muto is fifty eight, oldest wrestler. Second Correct. oldest is uh, Sakuraba. Sakuraba, 52. Then Sugera and Mochizuki are both 51, but Mochizuki's older. That's correct. And then Fujita's 50 somehow. Yep. And then Tanaka is the youngest at 48. Yes. <laughs> Correct. 
How is Kazuyuki Fujita the second youngest person in a six-man tag? <laughs> that to me is even more shocking than yeah, the youngest. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Anyway, what a man. Happy birthday to Fujita for next week. He turns 51 <laughs> oh, next week. So, uh, you, you know. Go. Sprightly old chicken. I thought this was pretty good. Yeah, it was like an old fuck match. You knew what we, you're getting in. You know, you could watch these six. You go, okay, these two are going to pair up, and this is what you're going to get. And um, you know, Muru and Vegeta threw the, each other the fuck around. That was fun. Then there was a, a Mochizuki Sakuraba kick fight. That was fun. And then you know, Sugira and Tanaka threw each other around. That was fun. It's good stuff. But you know, at that at that point in the show, you it's like, okay, get through this. Let's get to the main event. Come on, come on, come on. And the main event was Katsuhiko yes! Nakajima. Defeating Kano in exactly 20 minutes, apparently, with mm-hmm. the Diamond Bomb to win the N1 victory. So Marafuji comes out, the GHC Emerald Champion. Uh, he comes out before the final, just says he's looking forward to defending his title against the winner. This lazy fuck who didn't compete in this tournament. But God bless him. Uh, so Nakajima, he beats Kano all over ringside to start. He just like sends him in the railing a bunch of times. Uh, back in the ring, they take turns with some incredibly hard soccer ball kicks, and then Nakajima at one point rakes Kano's eyes, I guess to show early on he's not going to be any nicer to him, you know, just because they're both in Congo. Mm-hmm. Nakajima's they, kicks... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And they both kept out in Congo shirts. That's true, they did. Yeah. Uh, Nakajima's kicks sound like shotgun blasts, like they always yeah. do. And Kano has strong kicks too, but just the sound of Nakajima's, during, yeah. Nakajima's kicks during these exchanges... Just sound like he's absolutely killing Kano. Uh, both guys dump each other on their heads with German suplexes at one point. They both no-sell. Then they both exchange high kicks at exactly the same time to very audible gasps from the crowd, and they both go down. Perfectly timed there. Great little sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kano ends up walking, or running actually, right into a thrust kick from Nakajima when he stands back up. A great thrust kick. And then Nakajima hits a whole bunch more of these soccer... Uh, soccer ball kicks that sh- sound like shotgun blasts for a two count. He then hits his bra- big brain buster, but Kano just barely manages to kick out. Uh, Kano then avoids a punk kick from Nakajima. He avoids a second running kick. He grabs Nakajima by his ankle straight down to an ankle lock. And then he like just holds him by the ankle, holds him upside down, oh. and hits this really hard kick. This yep. sounded like a shotgun blast too, to what looked like Nakajima's neck. Or like his upper, upper chest. That looked so painful. And then he went up top, hit his double stomp, but Nakajima kicked out. Uh, Kano locks on his sleeper. Nakajima is able to flip his way out of it. He then catches Kano charging in the corner. He sets him up across the top turnbuckle. Hits a very hard knee attack to the body just before the 15-minute call. And then hits a running punk kick to the stomach as well while he's on the mat. Covers for another two count. Uh, he tries to go for the brain buster again, but Kano just reverses right into his own suplex. Uh, that leaves both guys down. They take turns hitting very hard middle kicks to each other once again. They go really fast at one point during that exchange. Kano mm-hmm. seemingly wins that exchange. Nakajima like staggers in the ropes. Then they go, they start going at it again. And they start trading extremely hard slaps again. Kano knocks Nakajima down with his second one. Uh, the referee is checking on him. Uh, there's a super hard slap. It really just really, the, the one that you knocked him down with, I mean, was a super mm-hmm. hard slap. It fucking owned. Uh, Nakajima stands up, and Kano kind of tells him, this ends up being Kano's downfall. He kind of tells him, you know, you think you can slap me back? Go ahead and try. And, you know, <laughs> he starts hitting his own slaps in the face of Kano, and Kano at first is totally no-selling them and shrugging them off. But then as it goes on, Nakajima 
finally starts having an effect, staggers him, and then he just fucking uh, drops him, hits the fucking uh, the diamond bomb, which is sort of like a almost like a vertical spike po- brain buster into the power bomb, I guess. And mm. that gets. Oh, wait, did I describe it's, it? Wrong? It's like it's like the Death Valley driver into the brain buster. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is almost like Kano's own arrogance cost in the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he had Nakajima right where he wanted him, but then he sort of let Nakajima start slapping him at the end there, like in a come on, what have you got sort of way, and just, you know, his own arrogance kind of bit him in the ass there, which I liked. Uh, they do hug each other at the end, though, so I guess there's no problems in Congo. Congo is fine, everybody. Congo uh, is but fine. yeah, this match absolutely fucking owned. These two fucking killed each other there. This is easily the best match of this tournament, by a wide margin, it was better than all but one G1 match so far. Obviously, Ishii mm-hmm. Shingo. Uh, I went four and a half here. Uh, it may crack the bo- very bottom of my match of the year list. I have to go through and compare it, I guess. But this is really outstanding stuff. Just these two guys absolutely beating the shit out of each other. And it absolutely owned. So what else can I add to that? Jeez, you've really summed it up really well there. I think a couple of things. So the first thing that I noticed is, um, you know, on the show as a whole, um, Noah really upped their production standards and production values for this particular show. This show looked amazing. Um, they've got this new 4K camera that they're using to get these like really nice in-focus shots of people coming out. And the first thing I noticed coming out as uh, Nakajima came out, he has like, you know, he comes out from a, the Funaki match and he's got this massive fucking bruise all down his neck. And it looked so, so gross. Like with how badly he got beat up in that earlier semifinal match. You know, Kaito, no, sorry, Kaito, Keno and, you know, Nakajima both work matches before this, work matches before this match on this show. So they come in a little bit tired, but it's like, they fucking brought it. Holy hell. Um, yeah, like they, they kicked, the, you know, there's one line that I think Stuart Fulton had on the English commentary where it's like, there are more kicks than a sneaker factory. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, get in, get in. Um, they just beat the fuck image up for 20 minutes and they can't really do this with anyone else in this company. Even though Noah is a hard-hitting, stiff, strong-style company, like these two are the only two who can do this really strike-heavy, you know, laying it the fucking shotgun blast to the chest, shotgun blast to the back thing for this length of period at this level of intensity. Um, yeah, I love this. And um, this kind of cemented one of my thoughts that I've been having over the past 18 months or so, which is like, Katsuhika Nakajima is the best wrestler in the world. He's got he's got the charisma down now. He's got the match quality. He's got the you know the intensity. He's got the you know character. Like he is like every time I see him on my screen, I instantly transfix. I want to see everything he does, and he like his mere presence in a match automatically elevates it massively. So fucking so happy to see him get go back to back. Um, happy I'm gonna be. Well, yeah, I forgot he won last year. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back back to knack. So, so um, he's the Kota Ibushi of Pro Wrestling Network. Wow! Wow! Don't you dare insult Trigger Liam. Don't you dare insult my boy like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. This this was so fucking awesome. I love it. It's so funny, by the way. I have I realize I have the number one Western Ibushi hater this week, and then I have the number one Western Ibushi fan, uh, Haley, returning the show next week. <laughs> real, real like duality of man. <laughs> yeah. The the person who hates Ibushi, the person who loves Ibushi more than on Earth. So, so who I, is I, Angel? Meanwhile, I am uh, I am Ibushi. I am Switzerland, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, like, I actually like Kota Ibushi, but yeah. yeah, you know, not like Naito, obviously. It's like Kota Kota Ibushi for me is when 
you know that meme when it says like i want katsuhiki nakajima and then you know the mother says uh, we've got katsuhiki nakajima at home yeah well see then it was a great it was a great comparison then yeah yeah, but yeah nakajima fucking he's on such a run right now I, he should win he sh- absolutely should win the title match um and let's kick off this heel run at the Budokan. Uh, yeah, so overall, you know, great, hard to call anything less than a great show. All the N1 matches delivered. So, you know, definitely should go out and watch it. You can really skip everything else, I guess, other than the two semis in the final. You know, mm. if you're especially if you're short on time. I mean, there's nothing bad on the show, but if you really want to skip the other stuff, it's not really necessary to watch. Uh, my final top five matches, the N1. Uh, five through two, all four stars flat. Uh, fifth place, I went with Nakajima and Funaki from this show in the semifinals on October 3rd. Uh, fourth place, I had Kaito versus Manabu Soya. Uh, that was for the A block on night two on September 18th. Third place, Kano versus Misaki Mochizuki. B block, night five, some, some, uh, September 26th. And then second place, Masato Tanaka versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. C block, night one, September 12th. And of course, first place, uh, the match we just talked about, Nakajima versus Kano mm-hmm. in the finals from today's show, October 3rd. So four and a half stars, very easily the match of the tournament. So yeah, you know, what had been a, I definitely liked last year's N1 better overall, but the, the finals here were great. So yeah. the finals kind of, I don't want to say it saved the tournament. Right? I mean, it's a short tournament anyway. It's only six nights. So it's not like, you know, it was some struggle to get through. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, definitely wasn't, it's not going to go down my list of favorite, you know, Japanese wrestling tournaments or anything. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad either, you know, and definitely peaked at the end, which is, I guess, what you want. So, yeah, it was a very easy watch of a tournament. You know, yeah. it was like an hour each day for six days or something like that. It was, so. it was not the 2020 champion carnival. So. <laughs> wow. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, who do you think? What do you think is the Budokan match on January first? I don't know. They they already said when they're doing their Fuji Nakajima. That's next week. Oh, oh, next week? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're at uh, um they're at they're at Edion Arena in Osaka uh, yeah, next yeah. week. Okay. Uh maybe Nakajima Kaito? So I think that could be one possibility. I think there's also someone who wasn't in this tournament who is due for a shot. Who? Someone who hasn't been in Noah for quite a bit, for like six months. Uh okay. I'm, i I don't know who you're talking you're about. You're blanking? I'm blanking. I'm talking I'm you know, I'm talking about it's time for Go to come back. Oh, I totally forgot about Goji Wow, forgetting about Go... Oh, disgusting. <laughs> so Go versus Nakajima. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we can wrap things up here. I thought this show would go an hour and said we went an hour and 40. So Sorry. So every, that's, no, that's not your fault. <laughs> we went like 20 minutes on just sports teams I like and how... Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. I mean, we did lots of stupid shit. But hopefully the people enjoy it. That's what everybody... Everybody loves stupid shit. If I've learned anything from my many years on this earth so far, it is that people love stupid shit. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Liam, uh, anything you want to plug for the people? Oh, uh, not really. You can find me on Twitter at Liam underscore D underscore McKen if you want to learn about like digital law and pure firsting and why NFTs are bad and all sorts of dumb shit. NFTs are definitely bad. Oh, they suck. Yeah. yeah uh <laughs> anyway uh i want to thank everybody of course for listening uh check out the patreon for the ongoing g1 coverage including tomorrow uh monday october 4th uh b block show all throughout the week we have more patreon coverage next week exclusively to the patreon 
Uh, I will be joined by Haley, a returning guest who always have a good time with Haley when she's on. And she and I will be talking G1 Night 13 uh, from next Sunday or next Saturday. I think it's actually yeah, Saturday the 9th. Uh, plus Tokyo Joshi Wrestle Princess 2. So oh. those are the two shows we'll be covering exclusively on the Patreon, uh, myself and Haley. Uh, on the free feed, the schedule gets a little weird after that because the G1 schedule is so weird uh, at the end here on these weekday shows. So it's a Patreon exclusive episode this coming Sunday, October 10th. Then a free episode, October 14th, on a Thursday. And that'll cover G1's nights 15 and 16, Wednesday the 13th and Thursday the 14th. And then the following Thursday, October 21st, will be the final two nights of the G1 uh, with uh, voice wrestling Sean Cedor coming on to talk about that with me. And that'll be exclusive to the Patreon as well. So if you want to hear me talk about the finals of the G1 and wrap everything up in the G1, you have to subscribe. So... It is patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. It's only $5. If you like the free episodes, if you've listened all the way to the end of the free episode, honestly, <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't enjoy the Patreon, because clearly you can handle me more than many other people. Uh, so yes, definitely take out the page, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at wrestle omakase. Uh, wrestling, of course, would not fit. And folks... Thank you as always for listening, and I will see you next time.